0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for The Sea Beast, Chris Williams, and producer, Jed Slanger.
2: There was a time when Sea beasts would ravage our shores, and no ship was safe on the sea. But those days are over. Today, valiant warriors battle the beasts far beyond the horizon. You're Jacob Holland, a weapon against nature's darkest designs. And I'm joining
3: your crew. Oh, no, you ain't.
0: away
2: I yeah no I like
0: this kid we're dropping you off at the nearest port hunting ship ain't no place for a kid
2: but you joined the ship when you were my
0: age Hold on, lazy! <sighs> and look at you now that's not the same thing isn't it no it isn't the drake more thick with monsters <laughs> monsters that want to eat us We're not keeping it. But he's so cute. You and I have a different idea of cute. Just don't move. Just be going. I see a fire in her. Same fire I saw in you. Monsters I can handle. We got it right where we want it.
2: Wait, Jacob.
0: That one. She'll be the death of me.
3: Hm.
0: I swore I would do everything in my power to keep people safe.
2: You can be a hero and still be wrong.
0: The ocean has sent us its worst, then we'll send it right back. A pet that's not a pet,
2: but I already named it.
0: Let me guess, blue.
2: Chris and Jed, thank you so much for talking to me about the Sea Beast. Congratulations on the Oscar nomination! Pretty incredible. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank
3: you. Thanks. So,
2: Chris, it's your third, Jed, it's your first. Where were you? How did you find out about the Oscar nominations? Were you, were you watching live or did you like try to avoid it?
3: Mm, uh, it was more the latter, I think. Um, the more I talk to people, the more I feel like we all kind of play this game in the lead up to the nominations where we talk to ourselves with the fact that it doesn't matter um, and awards don't mean anything. And, and there really is a truth to the idea that People, art is is subjective, right? It's not an objective thing, and and you know every every audience member is entitled to their own opinion about a movie or a story or any work of art, and and their relationship uh, with that thing shouldn't be affected in any way by whether it's nominated by for something or win something. Um, and so you go through this exercise of telling yourself that none of this actually matters. Um, but when it comes down to it, we do work really hard on these movies, and we ask hundreds of people to join us on the journey when we make these movies. And I know, uh, you know, specifically for the CBs, this was a really big and really ambitious movie. And we were asking a lot of our crew. And I thought they did an amazing job. And so it, it really was honestly nice to see that their work was recognized in that way. But I did make the choice to not uh, tune in and 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 get up early and, and be there for the announcements and. And uh, so when I woke up, I, I checked my phone and there was a really nice text message from someone who would worked on an amazing um, uh, Pam ribbon, who'd worked on um, uh, an amazing uh, short film called uh, My Year of Dicks. And she said, uh, I will see you at the Oscars. And so then I knew and that was very exciting. And of course, that was followed by a flood of of um, of of congratulatory texts. That's awesome. Totally Jed, What happened um, with you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely the talking about how it shouldn't matter and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be feeling nervous leading up to it and all those things definitely happened and talking myself out of why I thought it should, why it was important or wasn't important. uh, No question, but, but yeah, I mean, a, a huge thing for me, of course, it's like, you know, assembling the team and putting the team together and like going through the pandemic, especially too, was such a hard movie. It was going to be a hard movie regardless of the pandemic, you know? And so then to go through all that and then, I mean, to get the nomination, because even if I don't want it to be important, it's totally important. It's totally important to everybody on the movie. It's important to our industry. And to me, man, growing up and wanting to work in movies, You think you know. You think about winning an Oscar. You definitely think about getting nominated. If you could even get that, what amazing things it would be, right? So I was super excited. I'm a total dork, and I do like a um, Oculus uh, exercise. And my wife had to actually knock, hit me on the shoulder, and say, "Hey, you should look at your phone." And because I had, not that I forgot, but I sort of was like willfully just like whatever's gonna happen's gonna happen. So she she caught me in my dorky exercise moment, and was like, "Oh, so (laughs)
3: Jed, were you? You were in some whole other reality." Um, I was literally you in another news. reality. You had to come I, back to this reality to get that's the news. right. Yeah, there's this thing it's called
1: virtual reality. So I wasn't actually physically there, but I was <laughs> virtually there. But yeah, so but it was so dorky and I was sweaty and I was like, "Oh my god, like th- is this is how this moment plays out?" Is that like, mm. yeah, and, and it was and also because my friend from the East Coast had texted me who lives in New York and was like, "Dude, they said you, the the girl from Get Out said your name." <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's amazing. Did your wife get a good video of that moment? I feel like that's got to be no, a great video. No, she was
1: very merciful on me, actually, Daniel. So she did not. She showed great mercy. Gotcha, very, gotcha.
2: Yeah, I, I actually, I,
1: I haven't told that story very often. So, um, so, you know, you feel free to use it or not
2: expose my dorkiness. It's fine. Oh, we definitely will. We definitely will. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you.
3: It. it is actually a very it, for it, for a lot of people. It is like a tangible thing you can get you can get your head around it being nominated for an Oscar and and I think specifically of my mom you know and 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 friends back home when you try to explain what it is to to work on an animated movie it can be pretty abstract to explain the process this years long process involving hundreds of people working in this this kind of virtual environment um, of the movies that we make and and it's it's difficult to explain what you do for a living and uh but this my mom understands and so it's pretty exciting for her
1: that I will only second that for my mother This so like she's talked to more friends in the last like you know couple of weeks than she has probably <laughs> over like 3, three years I have, you know all these people congratulating her and everything and it's so true that it is a tangible thing that we all understand about the movie business uh and producing is definitely not so i can tell you that and i
3: even I don't know what Jed does for a living, I, honestly. I, I was going <laughs> to say that. But, but I know he's been nominated it. for an Academy Award. There you so. go. There you he go. knows you I'm learned a big of That's right. That's right.
2: <laughs> well, for both of you, this, was, this is your first film at Netflix after, after many years at, at other studios. I was Chris at Disney and, and Jed, you at DreamWorks, um, working on incredible projects in both places. What did you find different this time around about putting together this project at Netflix?
3: Um, well, uh, the short answer is is almost everything. Um, I had worked at uh, at Disney Animation for about 25 years, and it was really my only grown up job I ever had. And and I I, work, I have great friends that still work there. I had great relationships. And and there was you know there was a way that Disney made movies, and it, it was a very effective. Uh, it's a very very effective um, way. And 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 they're just stacked with talent there. And, and so, um, when I left, there was no sort of negative propulsion to it. It was more just, I'd reached a a milestone where I'd been there 25 years, which was almost exactly half of my life at that point. And, and I made the decision that I need to at least, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to become a Disney lifer or not. Uh, it was, it was potentially in the cards for me, but I wanted to kind of educate myself and see what else was out there. So that if if that's what was gonna be the my career path, that it was a choice as opposed to something that just was happening to me, you know. Um, so I, I looked at what else was going on in the other studios and 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 when i when I met the folks at at Netflix Animation, um it felt like the opposite in almost every way to my experience at Disney. Um, and part of it was, it was, it was Disney is this eternal institution, you know, it's been around forever and, and for all of my life. And and when you work at Disney, you are the caretaker of that legacy and you, and then you hand it off. Right. Um, whereas Netflix animation was this thing that was just coming into being, they were literally building the walls, uh, of the place when I went to visit it and, and they, um, were certainly open to new new kinds of stories and new ways of doing things and and they had a you know a really interesting eclectic group of people that were that were joining in those early days and, and it just felt like um, like a, a whole new experience and and what I started to come to terms with was I was actually very comfortable at Disney but I was concerned about becoming complacent you know and, and I feel like that can be sometimes the the enemy of of art and and creative expression and so I made the choice to throw myself make myself uncomfortable throw myself into something brand new and and that was Netflix animation and and I sure we it was it was uh bananas you know they were as I said they were literally building the walls um the 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 walls weren't very soundproof so we could all hear each other's editorial bays it was it felt like chaos but it's sort of a glorious kind of joyous kind of chaos um and 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 very different from what i had experienced up to that point and and so yeah it was uh for me i just needed to throw myself into something radically different change for its own sake
2: yeah what well, you jed what was different this time around
1: oh that's a lot i mean you know i think one of the things of working in a studio for a long time too is that like you know they have a way of doing things you know that's tried and true and sometimes and and the results no, you like to believe that the results are actually tied to the the method, right? And and sometimes that is totally true, and sometimes it's not, and and sometimes it feels like like you've been working within that for so long that it feels like you have to like you need like to to to, to breathe and to sort of understand. It's just like fundamentally, I I don't. I, it's hard to separate my separate myself from the institution in a way, right? And so that was a big thing that I was thinking about too, and then. I, you know, I've worked on a lot of great animated films and and, and great experiences, uh, but like I, I really firmly believe that animation still has lots of different kinds of stories that it can tell and reach people. And one of the things I was really looking for after that time at DreamWorks was like, what's another kind of movie to tell? What's another story to tell? What's a way to push the push the medium? How do we how do we do something that's super interesting? uh netflix was new obviously at that time chris was already there and he was working on his project and and i was lucky enough honestly just to meet with him talk to him about his movie read a script that he had which is totally different from the movie that we made but but at the time it was super exciting and it didn't feel like an animated movie that i'd ever seen or worked on or anyone even talked to me about so i was like you know man this is it this is i gotta try it and chris truly. And I, you know, I'm going to embarrass him, but he's such a great guy. And it was such a great meeting and that like, we were able to, you know, really connect and, and talk about the story and all these things. And it was such an easy way. I was like, man, I'd have to be an idiot not to do this, man. And, and I honestly, and, but it did take, it was getting over the fear. It definitely was for me. It was like, and my wife and I talked about it a lot. And, and I basically, you know, ultimately it was like betting on myself and what I thought that I knew that I could do and I knew that I could support Chris and what he was trying to do, even though it was freaking huge. And and, and we had never been Netflix wasn't really a studio yet. And we were going to be working in a different way than I would worked before. But I just was like, you know, this is too special. This feels really right. And and that's and it still feels that way. Honestly, when people see it and they talk to me about it, I still feel that way about it. So uh, and not to say it wasn't a long and hard road, but but I just feel really fulfilled by the movie. And so it, it was it was
3: tremendous. I think you make a good point. You know, when you're in an institution like Disney or or DreamWorks, even if it's functioning really well, um, there's there's the question that where you you know you know who you are within that institution, but you start to wonder who you are, you forget who you are outside of that institution, and yeah. and so there's something to the idea of challenging yourself and and continuing to throw yourself in, into new circumstances um as a way of sort of you know exploring uh the deeper into um what's possible creatively you know yeah totally
2: well jed hinted at it i know i know animated projects as big as this often change so much throughout production so tell me a little bit about the evolution of this story and how different the sea beast the final film is from what you initially pitched
3: well uh, it's quite different um the uh and every, it's not just the sea beast every movie that i've worked on and every movie that i've been around or involved with in any way um that that turned out to be something really special has evolved quite a bit over the course of the years of, of production and so i really um you know made my piece of the idea that that stories are going to change and change is good and 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 so i just kind of roll with it and i'm always sort of trying to challenge my assumptions and and hopefully uh Work in an environment and foster an environment where people feel comfortable um, disagreeing with each other, disagreeing with me, kind of mixing up and seeing what we can do to make the, the story better, make the movie better. And, and, and yeah, the Sea Beast was no exception. Um, there are, you know, there's probably a, a list of thousands of things that that changed and evolved over the course of the creation of the story. Um, but one of the 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 seismic changes um was the the um the appearance of the, the character of Maisie Brumble. People who've seen the movie would be surprised to know that she actually was not in the initial script that Jeb would have read. And, and she was not even in the first set of story reels, which is like our initial approximation and storyboards of what the final film is going to be. Um, we, we put that together and then realized it was it was um, not working. And And to me, that's not the end of the world. That's generally as a rule the the case that that first screenings don't work and but there are things in it that are it's a great tool it's a great tool to help you find what the movie's going to be and it can guide you and you'll find things in in that sort of misshapen attempt to make a movie you'll find things that work really well and things that don't work and characters that are working relationships that are working uh, thematic ideas that are working, and then you roll up your sleeves and and you and you you iterate and you collaborate and you try to find the better version, and then incrementally you work towards what the movie is ultimately going to be, and and so it did change radically. You know, we it was after that first screen that that I realized that we needed to have a uh, this young character that very much wanted to be on the journey and that was going to really stir things up and really propel the story forward, and when Maisie joined the story, suddenly everything clicked. And and even the Jacob character that was that that was present in in, in the earliest iterations, um, even he started to to shine more brightly, um, because the Jacob character we always thought, thought of him as this kind of prototypical um, action hero, and we wanted him to be to be brave and bold and 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 have a heart of gold and be willing to put you know risk his life to save others and have all these admirable qualities. But at the same time, he is a character when you see him, you're and uh, you you feel like, oh, he's probably he's used to things going his way, right? And then suddenly we introduced Maisie, and she was such a fantastic foil for his character because she could talk circles around him. And suddenly he was back on his heels. And our actor Carl Urban was so good at playing that side of Jacob, the kind of flummoxed and overwhelmed character that that where where Maisie's driving her crazy, but on some level, you can tell that actually. Deeply cares about her and wants to keep her safe. So he became a more interesting character. And so that's one example of, of uh, the, the ways in which the story evolved. But the interesting thing to me is the, the spirit of the film didn't change at all. Like the way the the, the tone and the feeling you get um, is is exactly what I was hoping for from day one. And so I, I, I'm I'm proud of having accomplished that.
2: yeah and I'm sure one thing that also didn't change was uh, the scope. I'm sure that that was something you always aimed for the whole time. And right from the opening seconds of this movie, the the images are just huge. Um so tell me about this this epic imagery that you guys were able to create and how you developed this really epic visual style
3: hmm. Well, it did. it's that was a choice made early on. um. I knew that I, that the world building was going to be a big part of of, of this movie, and and I wanted the world to be uh, something the audience could really I- experience. So that was going to be a big part of the experience of watching the movie. And so when when people would come on the movie, I would talk about movies like Lord of the Rings and shows like Game of Thrones, and I would always bring up Blade Runner as examples of of movies that that are set in worlds that feel complete and comprehensive. And you feel like there's a world going on outside of the frame and you feel like there's a there's a history that led up to the moment that the story began and and so i would i would talk about the fact that that that, that was what, what i really wanted to emphasize for for this movie and and i also knew that we that that meant that we weren't we were never going to bend the the reality or the believability of the world just to get a cheap joke or to make a modern reference that yeah i might get a, a laugh but you undermine, you know, the the house of cards that is the world that you're trying to build, you know. And, and so the, that part of it was really important to me. And, but I have to say it's easy for a director to say these things, <laughs> but it comes down to the crew to actually execute, right? Because what I'm really asking for them to do is to is to think very deeply about this world and the history, but also to sweat the details. And, and so we had an amazing production designer, in Matthias Lechner, and an incredible art director, in Moon Young Young. And their art team was, was awesome. And they they understood what we were trying to do. And, and so they designed every inch of this movie. And that's the thing about animation is, is nothing comes for free. Everything you see in an animated movie is designed and built. And, and a lot of the things that they were designing and building uh, were not things that were necessarily meant to draw the eye there were things that were just meant to make the world feel, feel true. And, and, and that's a lot of work. And so that my, my hat is off to the crew for being able to to pull off that, 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 that difficult feat.
1: Totally. Uh, I was going to say too, you know, it's like, it's in the, the idea of history was like a big part of it. Right. Like Chris, Chris sort of said that like the, the idea that it had all this stuff. It's like you think about like the salt stains on like people's clothing and things like that and it's like all these things that in a way it does it really does kind of recede right into sort of the the full image but it's like giving you this input of what this what this world is and it's it's doing all these sort of like sort of uh, subconscious things mm-hmm. to you when you, when you view it right um one of the other things i was going to say is like the scale and the scope of this movie were always gigantic right it was always going to be giant monsters on, and big ships fighting on the ocean which I mean, literally is like three of the hardest things that you can do in CG also, right? So it's like giant, like scale differences between characters is is insane. Ropes just generally, which I'm sure you've heard us talk about and other things. And then <clears throat> the water clearly is is a problem. But like it was one of those things where it was just like it 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 could work. And I think one of the what the, the the idea that the idea that we were going to embrace adventure films right and we were going to embrace these things that were really inspiration points for chris when he was thinking about the movie and that we were going to embrace that through the production design and the detail there but also through camera and through the, you know, through the editorial and through sweeping music and everything else that we add to sort of give give the audience that full experience. I mean, that to me was always there, no matter how much the story sort of shifted and changed. That was always there. That was always the the, the thing we wanted to sort of fulfill. I think. Mm. And finding the characters, right, is like a huge part of that. But it's like, um, but 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 the the spirit of what it was, as Chris said, to me was always there. That was always what we were trying to do.
3: So and, and you have to nice do your to do research. It. You you gotta do oh, your research yeah. too for a movie like this, or 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 the audience will feel it. So we visited uh tall ships and Dana Point and, and down in San Diego and 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 really got you know the the tour where we really under started to understand how these ships actually work. And and we worked with um uh, a costume designer who worked on Game of Thrones who really knew her stuff and was able yeah, to Michelle give us Clapton. A yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 she was able to talk about um the utility of it you know like why they would use pick certain fabrics and certain cuts over others and 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 little details like the the what jed mentioned was which is the salt stains that that she said the sailors would have and and we worked with an incredible guy named gordon lacko who was the consultant on or one of the one of the main consultants on master and commander um who really knows everything about ships and the culture of ships and, the, and that time period and, and so that when when we when it came time to execute our our action scenes, we always had a we always had an arrow in our layouts indicating the wind direction. And, and the sails and the maneuvers and the things they were doing always had to make sense according to that wind direction. And the things that the you actually see the, the crews doing on deck are, are as accurate as we could make them. And, and uh and so people who know ships are kind of struck by that. Like, wow, you guys really did your research but even people who don't they sense something something that feels plausible and feels right about it. Um and so yeah, the research was absolutely critical for for this film. Yeah, that's true of some of the
1: vocabulary and the vernacular that's used also, right? It's like how do we immerse the audience? That's another tool at our disposal that I think, you know, Chris through the script with Nell, we really sort of found that language even if you don't know what the heck they're talking about, like it gets you into that world, like right? you you make you it makes you feel like you're on a ship. So Um, it's I yeah yeah. so it's like one of those things where it's like it's the the immersion I think that we were able to sort of sustain for the audience is a huge part of the success of the movie
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. and along with that the huge scope that comes along with this film is it's occasionally a little bit scary for as far as uh, animated films go right Um, and so something I we hear directors of animated features say a lot is you know something to the effect of you know these animated movies aren't meant for kids. They're just, you know, exciting movies that we want to see or for, you know, for um, all ages can understand. And I, t- I totally understand that. But I wanted to ask, how do you balance the truth of that, that you just want to make an exciting movie for anyone to enjoy, but also balancing the, the, the knowledge that the primary audience for a lot of uh, or the primary viewership for a lot of animated films is still kids? How do you kind of balance those two things?
3: Well, I'd say that that, um having worked at Disney for a long time, we we really never did, and with all the movies I've worked on, we never once said, "What does a kid want to see?"
2: Hmm. You
3: know, we always said, what what do we want to see? What do we think can make the movie better?" Um, and so, but there probably is in the back of your mind somewhere, um you understand if you work at disney that that the, the movies have to at least be accessible for for younger kids, right? Sure. Um, but it was never like a driving idea for us. And as, as movie lovers, we just wanted to make great movies, but, you know, having left Disney, I I feel like we were able to, I was able to uh, envision a movie that was a little tougher, had a a bit more of a sense of danger and peril. Um, I wanted to establish the idea this is a world where people can be hurt and people can die. And, 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 and yeah, there are moments that are, that are probably a little more intense and a little scarier than than we would have even um, uh, imagined at at Disney. Um, but it, it, it's still true that I was making a movie that I wanted to see and a movie that I was excited about. And I never really got outside of myself. Um, and and I never asked our story team to get outside of themselves and try to guess what someone else might want to see. It was always, what do we want to see? Um, and I think that's the only way to do it.
1: So. Yeah. I, I totally agree because I think that sometimes you you get to overthink some of this stuff, especially when you're trying to come up with like comedy things. You know, sometimes like that's the engine for a lot of animated movies is is humor. That's another unique thing about the Sea Beast is like it definitely has humor in it, but it really is an adventure movie first, mm-hmm. right? And and so the the engine of the movie is is different a little bit. And I think also like, but what what Chris is saying is totally true. It's like you don't want to you want it to be true to this thing that you're trying to create, this vision that you have for the movie, and I, I what's funny to me is that, you know, it was new for me with Netflix is that Netflix never put a cap on what it is that we could do or show really, you know, or, and, and it was really just our own sort of process of iterating on the story and Chris's sort of feelings about like what he thought was right and everything that sort of got us to the movie. In actuality, like it, in the first version, it's way more murdery than this one is. So like, there was a lot more stuff going on. So I say that as like, you know, it didn't get pulled out because we didn't think the audience could handle it. It didn't get pulled out because it didn't belong in the story anymore. And that's that's really the guiding principle. And I think most of the best movies that I've ever worked on, are that's always the guiding principle.
3: That's it's good. true. And people sometimes underestimate what kids um, can handle. Um, and what kids are interested in. It, there was a point where um, we only had one uh, of what you would call like a test screening, but it was during the pandemic, so we never once had an audience in person together. But at one point, uh, we sent out a link to some some families and 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 you know and and just to kind of get uh, some feedback. Especially uh, Netflix was especially wondering about how this would play to 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 younger audience members. And so then we had one kind of uh, post-screening discussion, where they had—I think it was an age group from like maybe like seven to nine or ten, yep. something like that. Jed, if I'm remembering, yep. that's right. And there was a moderator, and and she asked the kids point blank, "Was there anything in the movie that was that was scary?" And they all put up their hand, and they all said, "The witch, the sea witch," referring to Gwen Batterby, the 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 weapons manufacturer. And the moderator said, "said Oh, so you'd like less of Gwen? And they said, "No, we want more." So there was there's this this thing where like yeah you know kids they they kind of like to kind of uh, to 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 be be pushed a little bit and and find what what they're comfortable with, and um, and so that was actually from the from a Netflix standpoint that I think they were sort of you know probably relieved to see that 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 the younger audience members would would uh, stick with it. Um, But, you know, I I don't think it necessarily is a movie that would be for younger kids or, or, or for more sensitive viewers. But it, it was the we made the movie that that we that we wanted to make.
2: And it's incredible. I definitely have to let you go here in just a second. Can't let you go without talking more about your future at Netflix, uh, Chris. You got two more uh, movies uh, in the works at Netflix, including the CBS two and what you've described as uh, an original fantasy film. If I'm if I'm not mis- messing that up. I am so uh, curious to see the future of animation at Netflix. And I know you guys are as well. (laughs) Um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious what you guys think. You know, I feel you look at Disney DreamWorks, Illumination, like all these studios. And there's kind of like an established look. You can kind of Mm -hmm. look at a movie and know kind of which studio it comes from. Um, But what's different with Netflix is there's so many more projects in a lot of different directions. Do you think in the future, Netflix will have this kind of established look that you can kind of pinpoint and go, "Oh, that's that's a Netflix animated film,"
3: or should they? I mean, I I don't think so. I think that would be impossible. I think it would not be desirable. And even if it even if you did want that, it would be impossible to achieve just because of the, they make so much stuff. And at this point, I think the genie's out of the bottle. Um, people, the animation industry is really on fire and and really resisting any attempt to limit what we can the kind of stories we can tell, the, the the genres we can take on, the looks. I think we're we're expanding in 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 so many different directions, and th- that's one of the big sources of pride. I think in Netflix animation is that you can make a Wendelin Wild and and you can make uh, an Apollo thir- a thirteen wait twelve wait what's the number 10 and even I lost my body a few years ago yeah. was fantastic and oh, yeah. and on and on and on you know Pinocchio like. Uh, these are such such diverse movies as far as tone and look and storytelling. And, and everyone's really excited about that. And I think that, and this has been a banner year for animation. And I don't think there's any going back at this point. I don't think so. And I think the audiences
1: really are wanting it too, on top of the, what Chris is saying, which is all true. I think audiences want that from animation. I don't think audiences want to just see the same family comedies that they've been seeing for a long time from animation. I think they want to see other things and they know we can push it. We've got great talent, great storytellers in the medium. And I think that's really what Netflix is trying to embrace. And they're really trying to take that and push that for that momentum that we have uh, from from all these different people that have actually worked in lots of different established studios. For a long time, and but that still have this itch to make something else, right? And to keep pushing the genre, uh, the keep pushing the medium into something different. And I think that's really what they're trying to do. And and I don't think anyone would want to have style, right? That's kind of what you're talking about. And and I and I think uh, it's it's right for lots of different places, but it doesn't it doesn't feel right. That seems like the opposite of, of what they're actually trying to build, which is this this diverse collection of artists with different voices, right, and different different thoughts about the world and the stories they want to tell.
2: Yeah. Well, Chris and Jed, thank you again for your film. I love the Sea Beast. It's so incredible. Congrats again, and, and best of luck. Thank oh, you thank very you much. Thank you so much, Daniel. Really Great appreciate it. To you.
0: Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for The sea Beast*, Chris Williams, and producer Jed Slanger here on The Next Best Picture Podcast. The sea Beast* is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature, Phil. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time.